welcome to the Orthodontic Products Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Warner. In this episode, I talked to Dr. Matthew Ng, a board-certified orthodontist in private practice in Texas. He's here to talk about getting involved in leadership at the state, regional, and national level, from the benefits to the time commitment, and he explains how to get started. Here's our conversation. Dr. Ng, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me. So to get started, can you tell me a little bit about your current practice? You're practicing in Caddy and I think Cypress, Texas, is that correct? Yeah, so they're in the suburbs of, of Houston, Texas, um, and actually have uh, a, now a third office. Uh, but I, um, when I first graduated, I uh, practiced in Vancouver, Canada for the first few years of my career in a group uh, pediatric dentistry and orthodontic setting. But I moved to Houston in the fall of 2008 uh, at the very start of the financial crisis. So kind of being new to Houston and not the exactly the best economic environment at the time, I worked at a small DSO uh, in the Houston area. But once I kind of got uh, the lay of the land and, and the economy started coming back, I opened my first orthodontic practice in the suburbs of North Katy in 2010 uh, with my good friend and uh, from orthodontic residency, orthodontic residency and my business partner, Dr. Patricia Tran, while still working at the DSO for you know a, a side hustle. Uh, in 2013, I opened my second office in Cyprus. Uh, this was in a group practice setting, so alongside some general dentists and other dental specialists. And uh, that practice has uh, since been acquired by uh, DSO of uh, six, seven years ago. And then more recently, I started a third practice working uh, again in a, in a pediatric dentistry orthodontic combo environment in College Station, Texas. That's been you know, a, a, a real great blessing and uh, the relationship has been going really well so far. So it seems like you really appreciate kind of having that collaborative, um, multi-specialty practice environment. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, from my early days working in Vancouver, I you know realized that that kind of special nature where people want to come in, one-stop shop, if you want to call it, where they can you know have their uh, their general dental or, or or pediatric needs taken care of at the same time. We can remove wires, you know, for their for their cleanings and hygiene appointments if necessary, and just that collaborative nature with other professionals and specialists, and whenever we need uh, cases that require multidisciplinary care. So it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Well, I, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because I heard through a kind of a mutual acquaintance of ours, um, a longtime board member of ours, Dr. Howard Fine, and he was um, impressed kind of with your role in leadership. And so I wanted to learn more about that and, you know, why that's become important as part of your career. So you have taken on leadership roles at both the state and regional level. What motivated you to become involved in that leadership and what are you doing today? What kind of roles do you hold today at that level? Well, I really have kind of like three or four mentors that I, I can really look back in, in, you know, in my career and, and thank you, you know, for that motivation. The first two were from my days uh, as an orthodontic resident at St. Louis University. Uh, the first gentleman was uh, the one who took a chance on me and accepted me into the program. And that was uh, Dr. Taco Arujo, my first chairman. And I remember uh, my ortho interview, you know, very vividly with him and sitting across his desk. And uh, he looked at me and said, I can tell you're a leader. And he said, you want to come here and, and be my student? You know, for those of you who've ever visited the facilities in, in, at St. Louis University, it's like, you know, the kind of running joke is kind of like the Taj Mahal of, of orthodontic uh, programs because the facilities and, and, the, and the, the building are absolutely, you know, magnificent. So I, of course, emphatically responded with a big yes. And then uh, lo and behold, roughly eight months later, I matriculated there and, and started my journey at St. Louis University. So for uh, reasons beyond this, um, you know, the time for this conversation, he actually uh, had to leave during my residency uh, to go back to his home country in Brazil. But with every part of change, you know, there, there's a, what, what I call a silver lining around every dark cloud. 
and that brought in the second gentleman who was you know have, has been extremely influential in kind of this, this leadership journey and that's dr buzz barons uh, of course the our editor of our AGODO, uh, who i finished my residency with and again i remember sitting across his desk during our, our exit interviews in the last month of our residency and he told me that think about this profession that you work so hard now to be a part of and what are you going to do to now that you're entering the profession to leave it better than uh, when you entered it. And those words have kind of always stuck with me during the course of my career. Uh, and I still keep in touch with you know both of these giants in our profession uh, to this very day and feel very blessed to have them in my life. The third and fourth uh, individuals, the third in, uh, gentleman is, is Dr. David Kennedy. And he was my first boss when I uh, first uh, moved to Vancouver, Canada to start my orthodontic uh, career. And at the time he was just rolling off uh, his uh, presidential year as um, from the Royal College of Dentists in Canada kind of like the American board, if you want to call it. And he was involved in a variety of different leadership uh, roles and, and capacities up in the Northwest. Uh, you know, and surely that name is, is probably very familiar with a lot of uh, practicing uh, doctors in the Northwest. Unfortunately, he recently passed away. And I think back, uh, you know, and, you know, 20 years ago when I first met him and just kind of that influence that he, the positive influence that he kind of had uh, in my life as a newly minted orthodontist. And he always managed to kind of keep my head on straight and uh, to always look at the bigger picture. And then um, the, the last gentleman, you know, was a recent AO president, Dr. Ken Dillahay, who's from the Southwest Society uh, from Kansas. And uh, I started kind of rolling on into the Southwest Society as, you know, Dr. Dillahay was our trustee and then eventually ascended into um, uh, AO executive positions. But he was the kind of the one who really kind of, you know, got me involved, um, not just in the, in the regional level, but also a little bit in the national level. And, you know, kind of just believed in me and, and uh, putting me in, in um, on, on Comjack and just getting me more involved, essentially. And, and for and for that, I have uh, much appreciation for. And, and again, just a tremendous uh, positive influence in my life. But it's kind of always easy to kind of sit on the sidelines and grumble about what you may not like about your state, regional or national orthodontic societies or associations. And I was kind of one of those people. And, but once I got my practice, you know, kind of going and, and financially in a more stable position, that's when I decided to get involved. So I didn't want to just necessarily sit on the sidelines anymore, but kind of get, you know, get into the ring uh, and hopefully affect more positive change in our profession, you know, through uh, all of our various different organized uh, orthodontic institu uh, associations and in institutions. So presently, uh, what positions do you hold on those different, within those different groups? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to uh, share uh, with the audience. <laughs> so I, I'm current vice president and uh, AO delegate for the Southwest Society of Orthodontists. My presidential year will, will be in 2025. I'm the current secretary and uh, college counselor representing the SWSO on the College of Diplomats of the American Board of Orthodontics. And that latter ascension kind of my presidential year will be in 2027. Uh, and I'm the current chair for the AO Council on Membership Ethics and Ju Judiciary Concerns. I've, I've served on that council for the last four years and currently this year's chair. So all these different organizations, uh, you know, that where I'm directly involved with, you know, just have a really, you know, passion for, for various different reasons. One common theme though, however, in no matter what group I'm in, is just meeting and, and working alongside other uh, orthodontic colleagues who kind of share that same passion uh, for our amazing profession. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm curious, um, what issues facing orthodontists are kind of on your radar or what, what were the issues that kind of you wanted to be a part of? 
Well, it's not necessarily so much of what I wanted to be a part of. Like uh, when I first got involved in leadership, like I said, there were a, a myriad of, of issues kind of facing the profession. But once I've kind of gotten more involved and and you know kind of see uh, seeing all the different things that the AAO does for uh, for our profession, you know, there's a couple uh, different ones that that certainly come to mind. The first one is certainly uh, direct to consumer care. So it's still very prevalent today. Uh, slowly but surely, uh, surely we're, we're we've kind of chipping away at these state dental boards and state legislators across the country, really educating them about the required safety and uh, direct supervision that is necessary for any and all orthodontic treatment. So, really, a big shout out to the AO legal uh, staff and team. They've helped us a lot here uh, here in Texas directly, uh, really for their work and effort on this front, as really uh, as well as really updating uh, badly needed language in terms of teledentistry for the safe practice of. Um, you know, that newer kind of technology that we have in, in orthodontics it's kind of been around in medicine for a good number of years. But uh, depending on the state where you practice, some states didn't have any language uh, regarding teledentistry, uh, Texas being uh, one of those states. So really working hand in hand in you know, the last several years with, with the AAO has been, like I said, a real blessing with their component uh, support. But a, another really big issue, I believe, and probably not not I think we all know about it, but maybe we don't talk about it enough and really faces a lot of our uh, kind of our new and younger orthodontists entering our into our profession. And that is really the rising cost of tuition and some of the debt load uh, that's acquired during their studies to become an orthodontist. I remember about three or four years ago, I think they said the average orthodontist was graduating with about uh, $430,000 of student loans. And then more recently, just in the past year, uh, some of those numbers now coming out are are. Uh, or over twenty, over twenty percent more than that already. So they're already over five hundred thousand dollars. So that kind of has like you know a kind of a rippling effect, you know, all throughout our profession. Uh, certainly, student loan reform is, is something that uh, badly needs to happen uh, at the federal level, uh, and that's where you know the AAO PAC and and Council on Governmental Affairs have, have really been uh, working hard and on, on that advocacy with with those federal legislators. But uh, many of these young docs really can't afford to buy a practice or uh, or secure loans to open a practice. So as a result, many of them are left with um, you know little options coming out of a residency, you know having to work as employees or or you know in a corporate setting for an extended period of time. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with with working corporate if that's truly you know what the doctor wants and and maybe what's the best situation for that doctor. But I believe there are you know so many rewards on both not only the financial but also personal levels. Uh, you know, of, of owning your own practice, uh, and with the resources that we have today, and uh, social media avenues, it can be much more easily uh, achieved compared to you know ten or twenty years ago. Well, it sounds like you know just you know you talked about how it wasn't necessarily one issue that brought you into leadership and being active. It sounds like, you know, for someone who is on the fence or who isn't sure how to get involved, there are so many different avenues they can pursue once they are involved. It's just a matter of, you know, just stepping up. Yeah. So a lot of this, uh, people just don't necessarily know that that there's op- uh, different opportunities. So whether it be insurance, uh, orthodontic insurance, whether it be membership, whether it be governmental affairs, whatever uh, may pique your interest in terms of uh, potentially entering a- into a leadership uh, type of a role, first of all, talk to someone. Uh, talk to uh, whether it be your, your AO trustee, uh, your your current state or, or a constituent president, but tell someone that you're interested in getting involved. Because one of the things that we've identified at the constituent level, at least within the SWSO and SAO, is that we kind of, you know, there's a lot of people that are afraid to, you know, step forward and speak up, as you mentioned, or maybe they weren't even sure if they were ready to get involved. 
So we can really kind of make it of a point to brainstorm and come up with a list of, of names or people who we feel we can kind of tap on that shoulder. And because that's sometimes it's all, all it takes is for uh, someone to come up to you and say, hey, you know, I think you're you know, a great individual and, and, you know, you seem like a, a really motivated person and, and you know, love our profession. How would you like to, to get involved? And sometimes all this, this little tap is all it takes. And uh, but kind of take that one step further. Uh, you know, we are very proud of our, our leadership program that we developed uh, within our uh, constituent. The SAO, this is something that has been uh, done for many, many years. And um, uh, and once uh, the SWSO kind of caught wind of that, you know, we've replicated the same and we've uh, offered it now since 2015. And that's kind of our own leadership program. And, you know, we uh, invite all uh, members to to apply. And so those people have already shown interest and they've taken the time out of their busy schedules to kind of learn more about the inner workings of, of the AAO and, and uh, our, our regional societies. And that right there is, is a list of our, of our future leaders. And interestingly enough, I'm, I'm, I'm actually also a past participant of the program back in 2017. So it's oh, okay. uh, really worthwhile. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, as you're talking, you talked about how important mentors were to you. I'm noticing that, you know, within these leadership positions, it offers an opportunity to not only be mentored, but to also be a mentor. So can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so one uh, uh, program that, that may not necessarily be known to all people, and the AO has had this uh, for a number of years, is the uh, mentorship program. Now it's it's, mm-hmm. called, it's you know gone through different names over the years. But again, I mean, uh, we have so many amazing you know, leaders and, and mentors in our profession where, you know, we, we supply our, our name and, and background information, you know, to the AO, and they try and match us up with, you know, uh, prospective mentees, if you want to call them, uh, for people looking for guidance on whatever it might be. It could be uh, a situation where it's just getting, gaining more confidence in, in different clinical cases, or it could be a situation where they're uh, asking for guidance in terms of uh, buying in a practice or, or, or buying a practice or setting up a new practice, uh, whatever it might be. Um, the AAO has has different resources uh, available for that, but uh, as you mentioned, you know, as um, you know, a leader in some of our our different uh, organizations, you know, part of that is is kind of stepping up and and you know, willing to mentor you know the next generation of orthodontists who are, who are coming in and and really the future of our profession. So I know you know there's probably listeners who would love to know what kind of time and resource commitment does being involved in leadership involve? Can you talk a little bit about your ba- how you balance? Yeah, so it really all depends, of course, on, on how you decide to get involved. So if you're, let, let's say you want to start at the state level and, and maybe on your on your state ortho board, uh, it might might be only a one-hour call or a half-an-hour call on a monthly or bi-monthly basis, and then maybe an in-person meeting once or twice a year. But certainly having a good reading and writing skills uh, and, and communication in the form of emails will go a long, long way. Uh, timely commu- uh, communication is certainly important. So for me, I typically spend my later evening hours uh, reading and catching up on emails, uh, usually with Netflix on the on the background. <laughs> uh, but whenever I have some downtime in, uh, downtime in the office or maybe a patient cancellation, then I'll also try and catch up on emails as well. But uh, if you're on a regional society, maybe on a committee, you may only have to correspond by email a few times a year, uh, usually centered around a certain time of, of the year. If you're a board member of, of a regional uh, society or constituent, then yes, it's maybe a little bit more involved usually have at least two or three in-person all-day board uh, board meetings and and a little bit more email but at the national level you know certainly if you're a, you're a, you're an AO trustee or uh, you know something of that level then be prepared for essentially another part-time <laughs> job so I certainly respect all of our our AO trustees for all their time and commitments you know to our specialty 
So as mentioned before, you know, there are positions in leadership for various different levels of, of time commitment, whether, you know, it be a lot or just a little there, you know, anyone who wants to get involved, there's uh, there's time, there's a, a position for, for, for everyone. So certainly anybody listening or, or reading uh, this wants to get involved or has questions about getting involved, uh, certainly please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I'm happy to assist uh, any way that I can. Great. Well, I'm curious, how does being in leadership impact you as a practicing orthodontist and your practice? So um, I believe I may have uh, kind of briefly mentioned this already, but I really try to be a leader in, in pretty much any instance or every instance where I need to be. So since I work in a practice setting with other dental professionals, it's really important that I share my vision with them so that they can you know, see the direct benefits of orthodontic uh, treatment and, of course, timely referral. So I, I sincerely hope all of our referring dentists have that confidence in our team's ability. Uh, but also important, uh, or just as important, is to really share that, that vision with my staff and employees. Because anytime I want to introduce something new or, or new technology into the practice, it's important that I have 100, 100% uh, staff buy-in from, from the employees. Because without that buy-in and support, new initiatives will usually fail. So it's important that they see and understand why I believe this new piece of technology or this new system that we're trying to implement uh, is ultimately beneficial uh, to the practice. It's kind of a two-part question. You know, as an orthodontist, what are your goals? But then what are your leadership goals as well? So in terms of uh, as an orthodontist, really my 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 main goal and, and why I love being an orthodontist is really to affect positive change in the lives uh, uh, with as many patients as I can as I can through direct care and contact. I believe this is kind of part of Chick-fil-A's vision statement, which is to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. But I've kind of, you know, incorporated a lot of that into our, our own, um, you know, practices vision statement, because I believe we're, we're more than just, you know, straighteners of teeth or, or fixing bites, but we really help patients gain confidence in their smiles, whether, whether it be overcoming bullying or maybe even motivate uh, uh, patients, uh, former patients to become orthodontists themselves one day. So I know of personally of at least four former patients um, that have either finished dental school or, or, or are currently going through dental school. They've all come in, and uh, shadowed and spent some time in the practice with at least one of them uh, interested in, in a career in orthodontics. So there are so many lessons that we can impart on our patients through the course of their treatment, uh, proper care of their appliances, of course, compliance with their aligners or rubber bands, work ethic, motivation, determination, all these really important life lessons. And it's always great to hear about former patients through you know, younger siblings and, and um, you know, hearing about their success stories later in life, because that ultimately is, is why I love, uh, as I mentioned, being an orthodontist, because it's just forming those oftentimes lifelong relationships with uh, patients and families. As to your second question, really, it's, it's leaving the profession in a better place than when I entered it. Uh, you know, the wise words of, of Dr. Behrens, uh, Jim Vaden and, and others, you know, you really want to motivate the teams around me to execute the vision that I have for the task at hand uh, or for the practice. So what I've learned is that people follow leaders. Uh, they'll work harder for, for leaders. Uh, they don't want to uh, let down their leader or, or let the team down. So if I have ever have that ability to motivate a group of people you know, to, that, uh, to, to that kind of level, that's ultimately you know, my, my biggest goal. You talked a little bit, you touched on this a little bit, but I think if you could really break it down, what is your advice to orthodontists who want to get involved, who feel, don't know where to start to get involved in leadership? So I mentioned the the Estetis OSAO uh, leadership program. The next one starts in uh, January of 2024, and we hold it every two years. 
Uh, but the other uh, program, which is tremendous and that's open for all AO members, is the AO Leadership Program, which is typically held every year during the Midwinter Conference. You know, reach out to your uh, constituent leaders uh, because there's a, a certain number of people that can apply every year. But again, just a really great program educating uh, participant, participants on, on all the various different levels of the AO. And therefore, that list is then handed back to the constituent. So uh, they have a, a list of people that again, uh, have shown that, they, that they're interested in, and could potentially be uh, a resource for that little tap on the shoulder. Uh, but don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to approach people because I guarantee you, if you're interested in, in serving the, your various different organizations, there, there's going to be a spot for you and be, and be happy to have you. One last question. What excites you about the future of the profession? Well, it's actually a concern and an excitement. Uh, okay. And it, it's, it's really, I, I believe we need to be the best stewards uh, for clinical excellence in our profession. You know, it's really exciting to, to kind of see the advances of the ABO over the recent years, which, which of course are promoting clinical excellence, where I believe now over 61% of, of all AO members are board certified. But certainly with the rise in, in digital orthodontics and different treatment modalities, uh, digital treatment modalities, it may seem easy or at least easier than ever to deliver orthodontic care. However, I believe it's still on us as the clinicians to prepare a proper diagnosis thoughtfully prepare a treatment plan and of course, proper execution of that treatment plan. So uh, it's, you know, maybe a little bit convenient just to upload a digital scan or some pictures into a program and just click accept, but really learning and honing our craft uh, is more important than ever in today's digital world. So if there's any treatment modality that can move people's teeth, I always say we need to be the experts at it. Otherwise we're going to have uh, corporate interests and, and, you know, maybe uh, non-qualified people uh, or non-qualified practitioners uh, saying that, that, we're, we're just glorified tea straighteners. So the advances that we have today with digital equipment, 3D printing, digital treatment planning have made things kind of all, far, um, you know, definitely more convenient, not only, of course, in the office, but in the effective delivery of care and, and convenience for our patients. So it's a really exciting time to be in the orthodontic profession. I, if, if people call the golden age of orthodontics, you know, 25, 30 years ago, then I, I kind of believe we're entering, entering to the platinum age of orthodontics because uh, really the sky's the limit. And, you know, it, it's it's an exciting time, but there's a lot to learn out there. Well, Dr. Ng, thank you so much for your time and for sharing kind of your experience in leadership. And hopefully this motivates some other people to get involved. Excellent. Again, thanks again for, so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. And uh, again, for the you know any of the audience members, uh, please don't ever hesitate to reach out and, and contact me if there's uh, ever an interest in uh, leadership in orthodontics. As always, thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Orthodontic Products Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes. And be sure to check out orthodontproductsonline.com to keep up with the latest industry news. Until next time, take care.